The reading of the word today comes from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Jonas. <clears throat> well, as we've been praying, asking the Lord, what do we need to hear this season of our church? What do we need to hear at the beginning of a year? And that's why last week we started with the gospel, because that's what keeps coming back to mind as I pray. We need to be rooted and grounded in the gospel. And as we learned last week from 1 Corinthians, uh, that, that the gospel is the matter of first importance. And so we're going to, over the next number of weeks, we are going to be looking at some, some messages, some passages uh, that are going to be rooted and founded in the gospel that point us to different facets of the gospel in a series called Gospel Matters. We'll get back to the book of Ephesians in uh, a bit, but we're going to focus on those things because there's going to be a lot of gospel truth certainly in the book of Ephesians, uh, but we're going to be looking at some different passages. And as we think about the gospel, the first place to start, once we say the gospel matters, that that's the rock solid cornerstone thing that we need to focus on, where should we go? And that should be in our thinking. Before we talk about doing, the things that we have to do, how does the gospel inform our thinking? Because our thinking matters, right? You've probably, as you approach the new year, there are different articles about thinking positively or, uh, you know, positive self-talk. Maybe you've read an article from the medical journal, Mayo Clinic, or something else. Yeah, because if you, if you think positively, it has good health benefits, right? Like, Many people say that, right? Lower your blood pressure or, you know, help your mood or all those kinds of things. But the gospel has something far more powerful to communicate to us than positive self-talk. The gospel tells us this amazing truth that as you have your Bibles open to Colossians 3, just look back to to verse or to chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 the gospel tells us and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh god made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We were dead. The gospel reminds us that apart from Christ, we were dead. We, we were headed towards eternal death, and in our lives, we didn't understand how the world worked because we were dead to the things of God. And if you are here this morning and you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you are 
blind to the amazing truth of who God is, and, and you are dead, but you can be made alive if you would trust in the Lord Jesus, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved and experience a new life in Christ. Because he makes us alive, as it says here. He made us alive together with him. He's the one that initiated. He came and he drew our hearts. And he forgave our trespasses by sending his son to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. This canceling the record of debt. And he nailed it to the cross. It is finished. It is complete. That is so far more important and should be the focus of our thinking and be the place that we should direct our gaze. And that's what Paul is telling us to do because the gospel transforms our focus. The gospel transforms our focus. It says here in verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ, So the assumption is, this is the thing that you're going to do if you've been found in Christ. Because if you've been raised with Christ, you're with him, you're united with him. This is is the natural outflow of those who have been raised with Christ. He says, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Because your eyes are open to the things that are above. So let's just clarify, what does that mean? The things that are on earth and the things that are above. Because in certain seasons, in ages past, in Greek thought, they would have said the things like The natural things in this world, those are bad things, and spiritual things, those are the good things. So bad things are on the earth, good things. Well, we know that that's not biblical because God has given us all things, all good things to enjoy, right? There are good things that God has given. We're just not to put them in the place of God. So it's not that we don't enjoy those things, but no, he is speaking to, when he talks about things on earth, whatever is driven by fear, whatever is driven by pride or greed, or lust, or, or any disregard for the glory of God, the things that take our eyes off of Christ, and the things that are above are those things that cause us to reflect upon the beauty of Christ, the awe and wonder of who Christ is. Is Those are the things that are above, the things that cause us to reflect on the beauty of Christ. And he says to seek those things. So he's talking about the condition of our hearts, the orientation of our hearts to set our hearts. And some translations even say that, set your heart on things that are above. And that word isn't just like do it once. Well, you get saved, like we talked about that last week, you get saved and That's not just the only time that you need the gospel for your transformation. You don't just need the gospel over here when you you end your life and you are with Jesus forever, but it's it's that whole time you need the gospel. And it's a continuous action. Keep seeking. Be preoccupied with the place where Christ is. Be preoccupied with the place where Christ is. Many saints of old have stated 
There's two days really that are important to us. One is today, and one is that day when we will see Jesus face to face. Today and that day. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't plan. We aren't, well, I mean, read the book of Proverbs. We want to be wise. We want to, you know, be diligent. We want to be prudent. We do want to make plans. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. But the, the important days are today and that day. We want to live today in light of that day. So we set our minds on Christ's kingdom. When we see Jesus face to face, because when we set our minds on that kingdom, then his kingdom will come here on this day. As we pray to have his kingdom come and his will be done, when we're focused on this kingdom, we can experience the benefits and the fruit that here. We'll fully realize it there when we see Jesus face to face. So what are the characteristics that that we should be thinking about? What are the things that we're thinking on? And there are a number of things that we can think on, but here's a few. Christ's kingdom is the place where we tangibly are aware of God's presence. So hold your finger here in Colossians. Flip back to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 3. It's talking about heaven. John the Revelator writes this. He says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will dwell with them. That's what the Old Testament tabernacle and temple were about. That was the place that God came to dwell with his people. But this, this place, God, we're going to be the palpable sense of God's presence. You know what it's like to be maybe at a concert or places where the bass is turned up, whether you like that or not, you know, you just kind of feel it right in here, like boom, boom, boom. You're like, what is going on? Something is inside of me. No, there's something outside of me, but it feels inside of me. Oh, the presence of God is going to make you want to just explode. It will be palpable. That's what's going to happen. And here, we know that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Though we don't have quite the palpable sense of his presence there, we can have the palpable sense of his presence in the way that we can here when we know that he has said he will always be with us until the end of the age. So we want to think about Christ. He sent his spirit to be with us. Also in his kingdom, it's, it's the place where suffering ceases. So if we go the next verse in Revelation he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. It's the place where suffering ceases, where every tear will be wiped away. 
We want to long for that day. When we think about that reality on that day, it informs us today that the tears that you are experiencing, that, that flood your eyes, the grief that you experience from loss that you experience, the, the pain that you experience from hurt or trials or any of those things, this is temporary. It will pass. And we, we don't say that as we walk with folks who suffer. We don't, we don't come and say, hey, this is not really a big deal. It's going to pass. We come and we sit, but we must know, we must equip ourselves with the truth that that on that day, those things are going to be wiped away. It informs us this day that this is, these are light and momentary afflictions. That's the benefit of thinking on where Christ is seated. And it helps us to lift our gaze and to take that step. Sometimes it's the step to get out of bed. But it's also the thing that informs us as we engage with others who are hurting. Engage with someone in our church this week who serves at Life Plan. And she's like, you know, I'm not really a counselor. I just come and I try to help people. But you know, she is bringing the kingdom present in that place because as those ladies are hurting, many of them single parents having to walk through hard things, when she comes and she wipes the tear away, when she puts the arm around, what is happening? She is displaying Christ. And they are getting a taste and many times it opens the door for her to share about Christ, to give them the thing that they ultimately need that's going to help them while she's meeting practical needs so important today to focus on that day. It's also the place where we have nothing to fear because it's the place of peace and security because Isaiah, when he prophesied about Christ, said this about him, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And of the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So when we are here today and we see politicians fighting yet again over something else, or we see decisions that are made that discourage us, disappoint us, or cause us maybe to fear. Things just seem to be getting worse. On this day, the perfect one will be ruling. All judgments will be just. The scales will be balanced. There will be no threat of wars and rumors of wars. So when we are wrestling with those things of today, the turmoil that we experience in our life, and I feel it every single time I read the news app. I, sometimes I even wonder why I read the news app, because it just, like, it just seems like it's a recipe to get my heart beating and, and expose what's in my heart, right? I don't know if I like that. Well, that's not love, joy, peace, patience, kind. No, I got to focus on the kingdom that's coming, on the place where Christ dwells. Because he's seated, like he's seated at the right hand of God. 
He's not standing up and pacing back and forth about the things that are going on. No, he's seated. When God says it's time to come back, he's going to get up. He's going to come back to bring us home and his kingdom will have no end. And then for, there's, there's any number of things, but the last one I'm going to mention is just it's the place where help comes from. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. So the place of authority, the most important place is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He's not passively just like eating grapes, chilling out, watching the game. He's interceding for us. So when we think about the place where Christ is, we know someone's helping. Because how many times do you find yourself here going, does anyone know what's going on? Does God know what's going on? Yeah, he more than knows what's going on. He knows what's going on because he knows all of your thoughts. We learned so much about what he knows from Psalm 139. You could read that this afternoon. But we know he knows what's going on because Jesus is interceding for us. Someone knows. Someone is coming to your aid before you ask. When you have groanings too deep for words, he sent his spirit to be your helper, to be my helper. So when we're in the place And I've been to this place so many times. God, what are you doing? God, what should I... God, I don't... What helps me... There are times God gives me an answer of what to do. But what always helps is knowing that he's interceding and help is already happening. And he's come alongside and he's not going to leave you no matter what you are walking through. And he provides the means of grace of the body of believers to come alongside and so many other things. But these are just some of the few things as we think about heaven, we think about what's going on there, we think about his kingdom. It changes the way we think, it changes how we perceive things. What would your life look like if you were constantly preoccupied with heaven. If you were constantly preoccupied with where Christ is, how much different today is when we think about that day. And that's why Paul says, set your minds. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Direct your attention, direct your fixed attention it's, it's an intentional word. It's about taking action. Because it doesn't just kind of happen. I think about when I was in earth science class. You always get to plant something in earth science class. Right? It's, you know, whatever it's called. Maybe you have, yours is called different things. You know, you're, you're given a cup of dirt and seeds, Right? And for some reason, that's so amazing that you can do something with that. But I've been doing it for, since the beginning of God's created plants and animals and things. But you put, so you give these cups and you put, it, put them in there. And the teacher doesn't say, put them in there and stick them up in the cupboard, shut the door, and we'll come back in four months and we'll see what's there. 
No, usually you're putting it under like a fake light and natural light, and they're trying to test different things, but what, what's the constant, no matter what the, the, the environment is? No, you're watering it every day. Every day you're coming in, you're putting a little water in it. Except for the one kid in class that just doesn't, that dies, doesn't grow. But, what, but, every, but most everybody's, is you're filling it, and what happens? It grows as you water it. There is an intentionality of setting our minds on things that are above. It doesn't just happen. I don't wake up in the morning. Some people think that because I'm a pastor that, that spiritual things just happen. They think that, oh, well, you've been to Bible college. We have a number of individuals in our church that have been to seminary, Bible college. You can ask any of them. There's no magical thing that happens. You don't wake up in the morning and now all of a sudden, oh, yeah, it's just so much easier since I have a Bible degree. No, every day... There needs to be an intentionality to direct my heart. And it looks different every day. There might be a cadence to it, but there's an intentionality to it, to set our minds, creating a rhythm. There are practical things that we can do. Now, the danger of having practical things that we do, we can kind of set our hope on the practical things, and we can kind of gauge our spiritual maturity on the practical things. I've memorized this many verses, or I've read through the Bible this many times this year, or you know, whatever the case may be. So we don't want to set our hope in the practices, but the practices are helpful. So I just want to recommend some of those practices. And none of these, you're going to, none of them you're going to be like, oh, I never heard of that before. But it's part of the rhythm, the watering. Prioritize personal worship. Some people call this quiet time. Some people call it their devotions. There's any number of words that we can use. Well, I call it personal worship because it is. It's a time where you are to engage with God. It's a time for us to abide. And the goal of that time should be setting your mind on Christ, engaging with Christ. If the things that you are doing are not engaging with Christ, I would change the things that you're doing. It's not just to grow in knowledge, though you will grow in knowledge, but taking the time, whatever that looks like for you, because it's going to look different in different seasons. The amount of time that you can take is going to look different. Don't look at your neighbor and go, well, they spend that much time. I don't spend that much time. I don't know if I, that, does that mean I'm No, it's about you engaging with the King of Kings because Paul is saying, set your mind. So what can you do? I love the statement of, uh, from George Mueller, the great saint who was known for praying. When he was asked, you know, how long do you spend time, you know, in the morning with prayer? He said, until my soul is happy in God. Oh, that so set me free. That set me free to delight in God rather than just do the things. Because for the longest time, I felt like, and, and I'm still tempted to do this, when I'm reading or memorizing, I'd be mean, like, yeah, I got that down. I memorized it. It came. But when I engage with Christ, when my mind is thinking about Christ and I find myself in awe of Christ, it's when my heart is set aright. And it answers so many questions. It, it clarifies so many directions. 
because it's set my heart. So prioritizing that. And in, in that, prioritizing Bible study and memorization. So that can be a part of that time, and I think is helpful use of that time of personal worship, maybe a time of reading and reflecting or praying through the scriptures. Don't just leave this for, for maybe that time that you set aside, but you, you want to carry this word. These are the words that God breathed out, as we talked about earlier in the fall. God breathed these words out, and they teach us about Christ's kingdom. How do I know about the things in Christ's kingdom? I've learned them from here. Because we have the privilege of even having our own copy of this word, to engage with this word. And don't don't start with the bajillion things that you don't know in this word. Start with one thing that you can know. Maybe it's just starting with Psalm 1. And you just read it and you read it slowly. And you soak it in and you're reminded of it. Or maybe you read the last couple chapters of Revelation because you just want to go right to what heaven is going to look like. I would encourage you to engage with it because as we read his, his word, we're going to experience what Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The transformation doesn't come just by muscling back the world. The transformation comes by renewing our mind, by thinking about Christ and where he is. And this is the the most reliable source of learning about Christ and where he is. Because all the other good sources that remind us about who he is point us back to this one. All the good books that have ever been written point us back to this book. Because this is the one that points us to Christ. And also, the times that we gather on Sundays or or other contexts, corporate worship helps us to seek the things that are above. Because what we do here on Sunday morning is tasting what that kingdom is going to be like. When we sing, that's that's one of the Christian disciplines that we have that, that lasts forever. There's going to be worship there. There's going to be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, like we sang this morning. So glad we were led in worship with that song because that's setting our hearts on his kingdom. That's why we're intentional about the songs that we pick. That's why we open God's word together because we want to be reminded about Christ and his kingdom. And that's why it's helpful to be in person. Now, I'm not opposed to online. We obviously do online. They're super helpful when, when you have to be home with sick kids or uh, you aren't well yourself or a nursing mom's room. There's a number of reasons why that's super helpful. But there's going to be no streaming in heaven. There's just not. And you wouldn't want to anyway because God's glory would be so glorious, like just blow your TV up anyway. Like, we're going to be in his presence, and there's something that happens when we are in the presence of God's people coming together to experience his tangible presence. That's why it's important to prioritize corporate worship, because it helps to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is seated. That's why even prioritizing biblical fellowship, because you're interacting with the saints uh, about the truths from his word remind us because we forget. 
I've been helped so many times in small groups and in times of coffee where the Bible's open or, or Bible studies because I come and the saints will say, hey, hey, I read this this morning. I think this will encourage you. Or when you get a text from someone that says, yeah, I was reading my Bible this morning and, and God shared. So it's not just me encountering God in his word when I spend time with him, but I am I'm blessed. My, my mind is set on things that are above when my brothers and sisters in Christ just go, yeah, I was engaging with God. I, oh, I thought I'd send this to you. Oh man, how many times I have been ministered to and I know you know that experience. And so even when you're engaging with God, and God shows you something. Don't go, oh, I'm not going to share that. They're going to think I'm just silly that I'm engaging. No, share it. It's the blessing of being in a faith family together to encourage one another, to build one another up, to sing to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, you might not walk into someone's house singing. I understand. But that fosters us to thinking above. Now, now understand again. Some of these practices, they aren't meant to be the end all. They're a means of grace. And there may be other practices that you have. But the intention is to set our minds on things that are above. Be intentional. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above because it directs the compass of our hearts. You guys know what a compass is. If you have a good compass, oftentimes you get a cheap one, it gets stuck and you're just like, one is this. But if you get a good one, it's always directed north, right? It's directed north. Whether you kind of like walk over here, it's directed north. Or if you kind of turn around, it's still directed north. Or if you just try to trick it and just like quickly like turn around, and it still will be directed north, right? Well, the, the direction of our hearts. Paul is exhorting us that the direction of our hearts would be continually on where Christ is, no matter what situation or circumstance we're in. The first place that we need to go is, is where Christ is seated and the truths and the amazing truths that are there and the wonder of the glorious gospel that we're reminded of because Christ is there because he won the victory on the cross. Author Sam Storm said, the power and principles of the age to come are to energize us now so that we can influence the earth with the truths and values of heaven. And that will be the effect. There will be the effect in your life. It won't just be for you, but it will be the effect of, that you have on others as you're the aroma of Christ to God, to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. So let's set our mind on things that are above and as the passage goes on, the gospel reminds us that our identity is enfolded in Christ. Look at verses 3 and 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You have died. Your life is no longer your own, but it's not, it's not in a place where we're, it, we're in a scary place when the, the word hidden comes up. What, what, what are we doing when we hide something? We're, we're keeping it safe. We're keeping it safe. So you are in the greatest place of safety because you are hidden with Christ. 
You're hidden with Christ. And Jesus tells us in John 10, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. That relationship is tied tightly. It's there as we walk each and every day because we go from this day to that day. We are hidden with Christ. So if you ever wonder if the enemy tries to lie to you, to tell you that you are something that you are not, or if he just tries to remind you of who you are, or who you were, you simply must say, I'm hidden with Christ. You've missed that wondering glory. It's when he died and, and he drew my heart and I repented and believe I'm now, I'm now in him. I'm found in him. And you don't have ownership of me for I'm found in Christ. My life is hidden with Christ. And so our, our maturity is to reflect the dependence upon Christ because we are in Christ. Maturity isn't independence, it's dependence. I want to speak to the young people specifically who are here. Maturity is not independence. It's dependence. Dependence first upon Christ. But God has placed you in your home not to uh, afflict you, though it may feel that way. He's, he's given you the parents that he has given you. They're God-ordained parents. There's no accident there. So that you will you will learn dependence. Because when you leave, you want to have learned dependence. It's not like, woohoo, now I get to go and I get to do whatever I want. No, God gives us parents so that we will learn the safety and the wisdom of being dependent. Not that you don't learn how to drive and and fix your food and do your laundry. You should learn those things. You should learn things and, and position yourself so that you can function outside of your home and you will move out at one point in time for different reasons at different times. But we want to learn dependence upon Christ because you want that. Because when you're old like me, that's my dad laughing. <laughs> I, 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 need, I, I need dependence. I, I'm seeking out older men and women for counsel. Recently, I've met with an 81-year-old retired pastor. Why? Because I want to be dependent. I want to learn from someone who's gone before, who, who is much closer to this day than for me what this day is. And the reality is, unless God chooses sovereignly to do something different, he's going to meet this day before I meet that day. And he's got stuff to tell me about his, God's faithfulness and about how thinking about this day and meditating on the truths about this day and focusing my attention on the gospel and Christ that inform this day. And so no matter how old you get, we should be dependent on Christ. We should be seeking out counsel, but start doing that, teens. Teens. 
when you're 10, when you're 15, build that rhythm that will stay with you until you see Jesus face to face. Because when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We, we want to be like him here to the degree that we can and grow, but, when, but we know that one day, as it says in 1 John 3, 2, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So even though we may be working today to grow and to set our minds on things that are above, we're not going to finish. We're still going to come up short. But Jesus didn't come up short. That's why we want to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is seated. So friends, you're going to get bombarded with discouragements, with temptations. This could be in, in any context of your life. And every morning, we're going to be confronted with thoughts. And throughout the day, we're going to be confronted with things. But no matter what comes to your mind, the place to go is the gospel. Because the gospel is the truth that matters most in that moment. It may not be right now immediately understandable or applicable, like how does the gospel fit with this thing? But the more that you seek the things that are above, the more that you set your mind on the truths about his kingdom the quicker you're going to come to that answer. Because the gospel is a deep well of truth that not only guides us and directs us, but it's the one truth that brings us hope and it brings us peace. Because it says, if you look back at your Bible, starting in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. <clears throat> Lord, would... With the things that I have said fade and the things that you have said remain. Lord, would this text come to mind not only today and this afternoon and this week, but in the weeks and months and years to come. Lord, may this be a foundational truth because as believers, we we aren't wandering or wondering, is there an answer? Will there be hope? Is there, is there mistakes that I've made that can't be overcome? Are there challenges? Lord, we can come because Christ has gone before. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus and help us today to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is seated as we anticipate the day when we will see Jesus face to face. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand?